you take your mind forward, you're able to almost re-engineer the things that are really, really important to you, as opposed to, okay, it's 2023, what I want my goals to be this year. Re-engineer it, take yourself forward into the future, think about what you're really going to regret. That's the stuff you should probably make time for, right? Do you know, because it's an incredibly powerful hack, really, because all it does is it like flips the whole thing and makes you focus on the things that really matter. matter, matter, matter. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I cannot believe it, but we are here at the beginning of 2023. That's right, you survived another year, and you are ready to thrive. You've done that after Christmas sales shopping, you've been to the Rose Parade or watched it on TV like I did, and just celebrated New Year's and watched all of those bowl games. But now it's time to roll up your sleeves because we are back in the office and here to focus on having an amazing year. Now, at the beginning of the year, it is the perfect time to use the five steps of the Lead With Your Brand system to build your personal brand to get you to that next career breakthrough. Now, for those of you who listened to our episode last week, our year in review, we talked all about those New Year's resolutions. And those resolutions are great. You know, you want to get that big promotion. You want to get a new job. You want to get a bonus. You want to get a raise. You want to do a cool signature project. But guess what? Those resolutions are all great. It's great to dream. But you have got to take action. And that's what we are going to help you do every single Tuesday of January. So I want you to listen and tune into the podcast each week and learn about the next step to build your personal brand that's going to help you get to the next step of your career breakthrough. Now, there's even free downloadable worksheets with each step that can help you in the process. All you need to do is visit leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year, and you can download our five steps to lead with your brand, as well as each week's worksheet. Now, the big question here is what if you were to use a brand marketer's toolkit to build your own personal brand? What if you thought about yourself as a product? Now, I will tell you, probably about 15 years ago, I was working at NBC Universal leading executive development there, and I constantly did these huge facilitation projects and offsites with big executives. Now, I was working with a 
fabulous executive. Her name is Jackie Hernandez. At the time, she was the chief marketing officer of Telemundo, which many of you know is one of the top Spanish language broadcasters and content creators in the United States. Now, I was helping Jackie roll out the new brand for Telemundo that she and her team had spent well over a year doing. And as I was seeing her pitch and looking at all of the work of her team, it suddenly dawned on me. It is, why is it that when we think about our personal and professional brand at work, we always want to turn to the HR folks when really we should be turning towards the marketing people. So I have developed the Lead With Your Brand system by taking a brand marketer's toolkit and really turning it onto ourselves for us to build our own brands. Because quite simply, we're all products at work. And in a world where thousands and thousands of people do the same job and have the same job title as you, you have to find a way to become more than just a a commodity worker. You do not want to be interchangeable with other people or just be labeled by a job title or a job code in your career. You must be that super premium brand that gets people to do more, contribute more, and quite frankly, pay you more, just like the great brands that we all love. So ask yourself, in your career, are you coffee? Or are you Starbucks? That's right. In your career, are you a commodity that's completely interchangeable? Or are you that super premium brand that people line up for and pay more for? So as we dive into step one of the lead with your brand system, I want you to think about defining your audience. That is step number one. Now, remember, when you try to be something to everyone, you are really nothing to no one. Let me say that again. When you try to be something to everyone, you are really nothing to no one. That's right. You don't have to be everyone's cup of tea. You know when you are trying to please everyone, you're actually watering down all of the things that make you unique and stand out from the crowd. So you have got to find your target audience. Now, I will tell you, way back years ago when I was working with one of my favorite clients, the team over at Bravo, the home of Top Chef and The Real Housewives, they always knew what their core brand was, but more importantly, they knew who their audience was. And they called them their super fans. And all day long, they talked about how are we going to super serve those super fans? And they said, we're not going to try and make shows for everyone. Instead, we're going to focus on the wills and graces of the world and the PTA trendsetters. Now, just when I say those terms, wills and graces and PTA trendsetters, you have an image in your mind, right? Those urbanites that love going to Broadway and theater and museum openings, and they love brunch and they love a little bit of gossip. And those PTA trendsetters, those cool moms that live in the suburbs that would never be caught dead showing up to pick up their kids in that minivan, right? They were a little bit of sex in the city 
community in the suburbs. Because that's the whole thing. I want you to think about who your super fans are, but don't get caught into demographics. I want you to think about it in terms of psychographics. What are the ways that people are emotionally connected to you? What is it that they want? What is it that they need? And what is it that they really care about? So I want you to think about the people who love you. Don't just think about everyone. Think about the people who love you. Who are your raving fans? Who are the folks that are out there buying your services, right? Who comes to you for advice? Who recommends you for teams? Who is there advocating for you when you are not there? Now, what is the secret sauce between that group of people that you can define as your posse that your brand can super serve. Now go to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year and download our career audience avatar worksheet. I want you to take out a pad of post-its. I want you to write down 20, 30, maybe 40 names of amazing people who are your super fans at work, at previous jobs, in volunteer roles, friends, you name it. But I want you to put their names down and I want you to group them in anywhere from two to four different identities or avatars or personas of your super fans. And that worksheet at leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year will help you get there. Well, let's talk about our guest today. It is Ramon Segal, who is the founder and global president of Remarketing, an agency looking to raise companies' profile and generate leads in the pharma and biotech sectors. Now, Ramon landed in the pharma sector by chance at 23 years old when he became fascinated by marketing within the complex drug development and manufacturing ecosystem. As his passion and knowledge of the outsourcing sector grew, he took a leap of faith back in 2009 and founded Remarketing from his spare bedroom. Now, over the last 18 years, Ramon has advised over 100 companies across healthcare and the drug development supply chain, helping them create marketing strategies. Today, he's an international keynote speaker, a regular blogger, university guest lecturer, and the host of the Molecule to Market podcast. Roman is also the author of the book, The Floundering Founder, 24 Lessons to Refocus Your Business and Better Yourself. We'll be back in just a few moments with Roman Segal. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am thrilled about today's guest. I am here with Ramon Segal, who is the global president of Remarketing. Ramon, what's going on? What a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, so let's dive right in. So, Ramon, I know that you have had an amazing career. You're an entrepreneur. You lead your organization. Talk to me when you first meet people. How do you introduce yourself and share who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I think it gets more difficult when you start having more strings to your bow. 
So (laughs) what I've found is I almost have to be a bit of a chameleon depending on where I am to basically Mm. decide who I want to be on that day. But for the most part, I often say I'm the founder of a business called Remarketing, which is a international design, digital and content agency that specializes in the life science space. And that often leads to, huh, what what life science space, what does that mean? And then that's kind of the obvious thing. But um, I, I published a book earlier this year and in, in, uh, in that's gone on to become an international bestseller. So it, sometimes saying I'm an author or a published author, that can have a certain credibility to it as well. So it does depend on where I am will we'll determine what uh, what introduction I, I go with. Yeah, so it's all about kind of figuring out who the audience is. Now, tell us about the book. Sure, yeah. So um, I, I, I wrote a book during lockdown, actually, called The Floundering Founder. And effectively, the book documented all the mistakes and, and errors that I made and all the things that I learned effectively in the first 10, 11 years of you know going from a bootstrap freelance gig up to you know where 80 people uh, agency now across two continents um you know very specialist international kind of marketing agency and you know during that journey you just you go through a lot of pain and you go through a lot of challenges and what i wanted to do was try and document as much as that as possible but in a very practical jargon free honest way that would actually be very helpful to people that probably where i was five years ago and that was very much the 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 kind of audience you know people that have kind of start a business like often based on their expertise because you know they're good at something it doesn't mean you're it doesn't necessarily mean you're a business person so you've got all Mm. this stuff you have to learn is like you learn how to run a business but you still got to get better at your craft whatever that is and yeah at some point in your journey that can get very overwhelming so the book is very much aimed at people who are at that juncture where they're like oh my god this is too much i can't deal with it and it is designed to kind of help them navigate through both their business challenges but also personally as well so the book is kind of split into 24 bite-sized chapters 12 relating to your business and 12 relating to how to better yourself and make sure you're investing in yourself as well because you know a business absolutely consumes the heck out of you and it'll eat you alive if you allow it to. So making time for, you know, your health, your learning, your family, all that good stuff is really important as well. Yeah. And so Ramon, talk us through this because I know a lot of this is in, in your book, but obviously now you run a huge successful agency. Let's dial back to earlier in your career. What have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you along the way? Sure, that's a that's an interesting question. I think you know if I reflect back, I think one of the, one of the key decisions that that I made about six years, six or seven years into the the business, so it wasn't exactly on day one, was to to effectively niche down and decide to um, you know say no to lots of business and focus on on what we <laughs> what what we thought and and. You know, if, I suppose if I can tell you how that came about. So we, yeah. we, I remember it was kind of mid 2015 and two things happened. One was we pitched on three projects. None of them were in the pharmaceutical sector and that'll become relevant in, in a minute. What I thought was fantastic, beautiful work. You know, we went all out for the work and we lost all three of them. 
Ooh. And at the same time, we were, we were reeling from a project that we took on with a client in the finance sector, which was an absolute nightmare. So, you know, this was a client that I thought was going to be a fantastic client. They were going to plug us into a new um, sector, a new um, network. And actually that client thought they were buying a Ferrari, but they had a budget of, you know, an old Toyota Corolla. And, you know, from <laughs> from day one, it was very clear that expectations. So there was the pain of this project, you know, and then the almost the deconstruction and post-mortem of this project, which was difficult, like plus what was going on on the other side, which is we were pitching on some other work and did it, win it. And and I asked my uh, my finance manager, who she's now my, my PA, um, and said, "Do me a favor, just have a look at all our clients and and just give me a list of them all, and we're going to put them in this matrix." And actually, the matrix is in the book. It's one of the first chapters in the book, and it's a really simple matrix, which is basically the how high maintenance, low maintenance clients versus high profit, low profit. Yeah. And I think we had about thirty clients at the time, seventeen of which were in the box I wanted them to be, which were high profit, low maintenance, you know, good relationships. We make good money. And lo and behold, most of them, if not, I think 95% of them were from the life science pharmaceutical sector. Yeah. And all the ones that we were struggling with were all dotted around the other ones. And so it was very much a penny dropping moment, which for me, which was kind of like, okay, I think I know where now where we need to concentrate. And I think I'd read a couple of books by Seth Godin around that time as well. And, you know, he talked a lot about being, you know, meaningfully specific and actually not trying to be everything to everyone. There's all this kind of swirl of stuff going on at this particular moment in time, which then led me to say to the team at the time, right, guys, we are, and, you know, bear in mind, more than half of our business was non-pharmaceutical business. So it was, a, it, I mean, I reflect back now and I, you know, I still can't believe I went, you know, we did it. And effectively, then we pivoted the business to just doing life sciences and pharmaceuticals. So that, that back to your original question, I mean, that was one of the key decisions um, or career breakthroughs that I made, made because it sent us down a path, which would ultimately lead to really supercharged growth and internationalization. Yeah. Well, and it's just a great lesson that like when you try and be something to everyone, you really end up being nothing to no one, right? A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So Ramon, tell me what was the hardest thing about actually having to say no to a client the first time? The dollars that it represented. <laughs> um, it, you know, when you're growing a business, I think you often, right in the early years, you kind of take on whatever comes through the door because you need to get some traction, you need to get going, and you kind of learn it, it, as you go on. Like there was definitely instances after we did it where we had inquiries and people saying, "Hey, we're you know we're looking for a project partner that's worked in retail who could help us launch this you know chain of restaurants across the UK or whatever," and we were like, "Ooh, that's sexy," but no, no, we. <laughs> It's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, I'm married now. I'm married, you know, like, you know, it's, uh, you know, the temptation is there, but you have to like, you have to stick to your guns. And I think I'm so glad we did because like it's, everything's opportunity cost in business, like in a service business. So if you say yes to that opportunity, it'll be saying no to something that comes through the door the next day. And so I think there was just a sense of courage and belief amongst me and the team that like, you know, the, a better opportunity will come. And, and thankfully they, they have done over the years and we've managed to grow pretty quickly. 
Yeah. Well, and it's just a great lesson in knowing that your brand is about as much what you do as what you choose not to do, right? Exactly. And that that clarity piece I find is once we decided we were going to focus on this sector, it made so many more decisions much easier, which Mm. events we were going to be go to, how we were going to recruit, what our website was going going to say. Like, again, we weren't trying to be everything to everyone. And so like by narrowing that focus, we became invisible to most of the world. But like unmissable to the ones that we really wanted to reach, and then when they find us, they were like, "Oh my god!" I actually, I distinctly remember when we rebranded, and well, not rebranded, when we we changed the kind of the website and everything, and we basically changed our outer exterior. Yeah. We got an inqu- inquiry for a client. This was in two thousand and seventeen, start of two thousand and seventeen, and on that email, that client said, "Oh my god, I cannot believe an agency like you exists." You're ex- like you. You're in the weeds of our sector. Yeah. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Like almost like she was uncovering a gem, and that client is what that's five and a half years, six years ago, still a client today. Yeah, now that's super serving, right? And you know what? There's a good pricing story I can tell you if, if it's helpful. I, I remember, yeah, the first ever pharmaceutical project, or one of the first one international project we won was with a Danish company, and it was, um, and I remember it like we it was like a web project, web and brand project. And like we pitched and it was the biggest pitch we'd ever gone for. This was maybe 2013 and 14. And we won the project and this was like, and we, then we, you know, we were flying to, uh, to Denmark. And I, I remember saying like to my wife, like, this is, this is like the dream. This is what I wanted. I wanted to be the guy on a business class flight, you know, go into a company, <laughs> go to run a brand workshop, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I remember when we got there, when we delivered the work and, you know, like I remember before we got there, I rang a friend of mine who ran another agency. I was like, Hey man, we sold a brown workshop. I don't even know what a brown workshop is. Like what, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, the, the, we met the client. It went really, really well. We ran this workshop and, and, it, it, you know, we, and then we had dinner with the client. The client said to me, he said, listen, I wanted to give you some feedback. And I was like, Oh God, what? Oh God, I don't want the feedback. <laughs> And he said, I just want to let you know that you nearly didn't win the project. Um, we, we weren't going to award you the project. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, was it what we pitched? Was it the capabilities? Were there, you know, what was it? And he said, uh, you guys are too cheap. And I was like, ah. what? And he, and he said, um, you guys were a third of the price of the other two bids. Wow. And you know, at this point, I started smashing my head against the table. Right? Like, oh, God. <laughs> And, um, and I, but what, what it ended up being was, you know, I always say like the best learnings come from these mistakes because it was effectively me, we were pricing projects like we were a local general marketing agency in the North of England, when in fact we were becoming a specialist pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical supply chain international agency and the pricing wasn't reflective and in reality we could have probably priced that project four times more than we priced and we still would have won the project because the client was willing to pay for that specific depth of expertise which was you guys know our space you know our sector you know the language you get it we don't have to teach you any of that stuff we'll pay whatever within reason right like that was yeah in, in 
So, you know, again, back to that, you know, these kind of breakthroughs that are happening, these mistakes that you make end up often being the things that define you and, and certainly were for us. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so interesting because to have that know your value moment, right? Cause it's, it's really, uh, you are what you charge and what you charge ends up being a reflection of, of who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ramon, talk to me a little bit about, uh, about your childhood. What did you want to be when you grew up as a kid? All I ever wanted to be was a footballer. All I ever dreamt of being was, was a <laughs> soccer player. And then, you know, some, at some point in life, the, the penny dropped, but I was like, dude, you're not good enough. You, you ain't going to make it to the top. <laughs> and uh, and, and yeah. so how did you go from footballer to uh, running a global agency? What, what, was, what were your early kind of career moments? You know what? When I was going through like high school, I still wasn't sure other than I suppose I'd been surrounded by my parents run a, a post office. And I suppose I would, business was in the DNA if that made sense. And again, I never thought I'd start my own company, but business qualification. And I remember stumbling in one of the modules in high school in business studies across marketing. And there was a whole thing about brand and what makes a brand. And I was asking the teacher loads of questions. And he was like, he's like a junior high teacher. He's like, dude, I don't know the answer to the question you're asking. And <laughs> I was like, chief marketing officer. Right? <laughs> he, he, he was effectively like, look, I'm not the CMO at uh, you know night guy. Like you need to like give me a break. <laughs> but I suppose I followed my curiosity and just like and really enjoyed the concept of marketing. And then so I, I did a marketing degree and ended up um, one of the first agency jobs I worked in. In fact, the first agency job I worked in, the first client I ever worked on was uh, a contract manufacturer in the pharmaceutical sector, and that's how the kind of two worlds collided. Yeah, and I found this sector really fascinating from a, I suppose, a human impact and patient perspective. But also, they were terrible at like adopting new marketing. So I found that like <laughs> I could take these relatively tried and tested marketing methods. You know, this was so much pre-internet. This was like well, just about putting just like taking direct mail. You know, taking like merchandise, and then then what became SEO and PPC and content marketing, taking these fundamental marketing concepts and, and adopting them in an in a industry that had just never had a modern outlook on marketing. And it was just the right place at the right time. And that, that ultimately led me down the path of this weird niche of being a, a marketing person in the, in the pharmaceutical supply chain. Um, and I suppose for your listener, just to kind of give some context of what that means. So assuming you've had a COVID vaccine, for example, like uh, you know you or your listener, there's a there's a high chance our clients would have been involved in you know developing, testing, manufacturing, all the tech behind it, and ultimately getting a vaccine. And it, I don't mean specific just the vaccine, but we are involved in the supply chain of new medicines and commercial medicines. So they are the typical clients that that we support. Yeah, and and so talk to me a little bit about uh, about your brand since you became so fascinated in in high school. Um, Ramon, give me three words that describe your brand as a founder and a leader. That is an interesting question. I think what I'm going to revert back to is almost the values in in our organization because I think the values at Remarkling have to be reflected of me as the founder um and there's four if you'll if you'll let me have four and and you might not understand one of the words which i'll tell i'll explain one of the words but i'll I'll go so 
our values are, you know, be canny, which I'll explain what that means. Be canny, be genuine, have a go and really care. So those are the four values that we talk about day in, day out and, and try and instill in all of our teams. So, you know, being the word canny is from the northeast of England where we're headquartered and is a, a colloquial word, which effectively means just be nice, be friendly, <laughs> you know, be, you know, treat, treat people how you want to be treated. It's like that's, that's, uh, but that's been fundamental to, I suppose, who I am as a person is just like, don't be a douche, just be a nice person. Um, <laughs> be, be genuine, you know, like being sincere, being honest and doing the right thing is, is, is important. Um, really caring and what i mean by that is from a leadership perspective is like really caring about my craft really caring about my colleagues really caring about my clients like like giving a crap about what i do and not going through the the motions and then you know the final one i suppose is just have a go and you know from an entrepreneurial perspective that means trying new stuff you know being uncomfortable about uh, sorry being comfortable with un- being uncomfortable and also yeah. just and also just, I suppose, setting the tone and like leading by example, like getting your hands dirty and having a go and not being, you know, sat in some fancy office, you know, not, you know, visible to your team. So those are the things that I think, I suppose I'm intertwined with remarketing in terms of where it came from and what makes us special. Yeah. And so Ramon, talk to me. I love be canny, genuine, have a go, really care. Have, have those always been sort of defining attributes of you or has that evolved over time? It's, it's I'd say the canny and genuine ones have always been part of, of, you know, if I look back to our early set of values and actually even have a go, I think those three have always been there in a version. So we used to have be scrappy, for example, which, which Americans love because Americans love the word scrappy. So when I moved to the U S <laughs> I remember like saying like, Hey, we're scrappy and, and it's kind of say we're scrappy too, you know, we are the same, like, you know, and they, and they loved it. Um, so I think those three, you know, and being friendly and being honest have always been fundamental, like traits, if you like. The really caring one is, is interesting because I think when it, it kind of brings us back to where, you know, that particular phase at which the book is aimed at is, is founders going through a difficult time and at a juncture in life. And what I found is I'd stopped investing in myself i'd stopped Mm. learning and that's the one that i think i read a book called um i always get the title wrong but it's the the morning miracle or the miracle morning whichever way and that genuinely changed my life because it it was a book that talked about making time for yourself to you know think about what your plans are and making sure you've got affirmations and you're looking after your health and all this type of stuff and that definitely sent me down a path of actually really constantly improving myself being better all the time and that obsession probably wasn't there 10 years ago it might have been in a little bit but i think that's probably been the big change in the last probably seven or eight years that kind of investment ramon tell me what was that moment that you sort of had that aha that you weren't focused on sort of caring about yourself as a both a person as well as a leader what was that moment for you I think it was just a, it, it was around the time we, you know, we talked, I talked before Jay about like around the time we niched the company down, it all kind of happened at the same time. And I just felt very overwhelmed. I felt quite stressed. I didn't really kind of 
know what the point of it all was and where I was going and what did the end goal look like. And someone once told me the definition of hell. On your last day on earth, the person you could have become will meet the person you became. So effectively, it's like you get into the last day of or the end of your life and effectively meeting a much better version of yourself. And I heard that somewhere and it really was like, whoa, like I do not want to have regrets in my life. And so my drive, if you like, came from a position of I don't want to regret I don't want to be in my 80s or my 70s or 90s or whatever and be like, I should have done this. I should have done that. And in a sense that the, if I, if you take your mind forward, you're able to almost re-engineer the things that are really, really important to you as opposed to, okay, it's 2023. What do I want my goals to be this year? Re-engineer it. Take yourself forward into the future. Think about what you're really going to regret. That's the stuff you should probably make time for, right? Do you know, because it's an incredibly powerful hack, really, because all it does is it like flips the whole thing and makes you focus on the things that really matter. And at the time, for me and my family, it was things like we wanted to live in another country. So it led to us setting up the US office and us moving to the US uh, and, and living in Boston, which was which was fantastic. And, you know, really going it for, for with the business. So back to your original question, there was that 2015 time was like a stick or twist moment. It was, I can keep doing this and make good money for the rest of my life. But actually what I figured is, you know what, if you don't go for it and give it a shot and just give it your all, you're going to regret it. And that that meant hiring more people. It meant taking more risks. But I knew that I would always look back and be like, God, I could have built the business and sold it and, and all that kind of good stuff. But that would never have been an option if I just decided to play, play it safe. Right. Which a lot of people do. And I'm not, I'm not saying there are millions of lifestyle businesses out there you know they make i don't know half a million dollars a year or a million dollars a year whatever the number yeah. is and that's enough and that's enough for them but for me it was kind of like no nah, i want to i just want to i just want to see how far i could take this <laughs> before i get caught out for being a fraud right like that was the, the imposter and for me that those re that re-engineering process allowed me to really think about and i knew the business thing couldn't happen without me getting better. So I had to just get better at everything I, I was doing. And so that was kind of how the two worlds collided. Yeah. And Ramon, talk to me a little bit. Uh, you said that being canny and genuine and having a go have sort of been in your DNA, you know, throughout your life. But I'm interested to see how does being canny and then having a go work together? Because oftentimes, you know, trying new things and being disruptive and being uncomfortable. Sometimes that kind of doesn't mesh up with like being nice and not being a yeah. douche. So, so talk to me yeah. how, how you are able to be both of those at the same time or how they interact in terms of your executive and leadership brand. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, right? Like I don't think you, I don't think you have to be a douche to be successful in business, right? Like I think, I think that's one of the reason people who are not in business are like, oh, businessmen, right? Like, you know, like there's a, there is a stigma. Whereas most people I know who I work with, clients, colleagues, industry association, all that kind of good stuff, people in different sectors like are in a business are nice people. They're genuinely good people that they're, they're friendly. Of course, like anywhere in life, you're going to meet some absolute idiots and people that are just not particularly nice or are quite nasty. 
So in, in my mind, like you can make tough decisions or make things that make people feel uncomfortable, but the tone in which you communicate that doesn't need to be like dictatorial. Guys, we're doing this because blah, 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 blah. Like you can do it in an empathetic way. You can do it in a yeah. nice way. You can do it in a friendly way. Um, and even when you've got to give, you know, when we have had to fire people, like you don't have to be horrible about it. You can actually, and it's, I, I, I never, ever, I don't think anyone, my well, God, there are some people that probably enjoy firing people, but I'm not one of those persons. I find it difficult. <laughs> and I, you know, it's, it sits on, you know, it sits with me for days in advance. And, I, you know, we have a CEO in the organization now, so I don't have to do the kind of horrible stuff as much anymore, but it, it's, it doesn't come, it's not something that I enjoy doing, but you do get better at it. And what I would always say is like, you know, that's the worst thing to almost communicate to someone, but you can do it in a respectful, polite, canny way, which is, you know, not, you know, and it doesn't mean it's a, you know, SHIT sandwich. You don't have to do that. And actually the yeah. way I've always done it is I just, I say it, look, very quickly, you start the discussion with, it's, you know, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation and it's going to end with you leaving the organization. Like, so you like tell them the truth and just be honest and then talk them through the why, as opposed to like lying through your teeth and saying, Oh, they were brilliant at this and brilliant at that. So it's a really interesting question. And I don't think, I don't think you have to do one without the other is my experience. Um, I think that's a, that's an old, that, that, there probably are people that do that, that will, <laughs> that will have a go and break everyone at every cost. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not in that camp. I just think life's too short and karma will, will get you in the end. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's really about how you can blend all of those other great attributes and, and values. Uh, Ramon, now, Talk to me because you and your business are all about helping build brands and be great communicators. What are some of the uh, the brand and marketing tools that you use to help big, you know, biomed organizations that you think individuals could use that same tool or methodology to build their own leadership brand? Well, great question. I think... Um... A lot of our brand, like our brand strategy projects start with a bit of an assessment of, of the brand, if you like. So we, we try and unlock what makes them different. So in, in the context of a brand, we'll speak to a client's customers. We'll look at their competitors and we'll speak to their staff members. We'll speak to their investors. So we'll break, we'll build quite a holistic picture of what makes that brand tick and what makes it special. And, but at the same time, that that company has probably got strategic goals to get it from A to B. So within that context, you there's often a gap. There's often a sweet yeah. spot of what makes that brand effective, but also a gap of where we're trying to get to. And I think you could probably do that on an individual basis as well. So you could do a 360 like so you know jay i could do with you with all your colleagues do a 360 kind of review of you know what makes jay special what makes him a great leader etc etc now it might be that oh you know you're really nice and you're really friendly but actually you want to be seen as you know 
the best in the world at something else. So there are yeah. some fundamentals which are accurate, but there's a gap between where you are and where you want to get to. And in that gap is where we build the strategy and the plan of actually how do we get you from A to B, um, but without losing what makes you different and special in the first place. And I think a lot of brands want to, and like, like people don't, you need to understand what makes you like the good stuff as well. We've got to capture the good stuff before we start making. So those are, I suppose, that are very, fundamental brand level are some of the things i i would think about like we've done we've done a few projects with clients where it's where ceos are trying to raise their profile right yeah they might be ceos of listed companies or they might be private equity backed business who want to raise their profile and we always start with like a bit of a workshop with them to understand them and what makes them special because obviously what flows through that is and i don't want to use the word authenticity because it's it's just it's been broken it's overused right <laughs> it's overused but it's like it's like what what does what does the genuine you look like sound like feel like because what you don't want to do is rough is project something into the public forum that is not who you are because then there's a mismatch right because i say hey jay's this guy jay's really really friendly jay's really really like lovely and has a really soft tone really cares about his culture I come in your organization, Jay, as you shouting at all your team. I'm just using you as an example, but like there's yeah. a natural disconnect. It's the same with any customer service experience that the brand's telling you one thing and the experience is completely different. As consumers, like you, you we can't deal with that. We're like, this doesn't make sense. I'm not going back there, right? Whereas actually the really successful brands align the promise with what they actually deliver and they do it consistently well, right? And I think, you know, if I think about like individual brand like individual brands as people like consistency is the key like yeah. like whatever that is that makes you different and however you want the world to see you like if you're going to talk the talk you need to walk the walk like you can't you you can't like say you're one thing and be something different well you can but it's just bs right and you'll yeah. get found out so that's the way i mean at a more tactical level i'm sure we could go into like you know how we use linkedin and all that kind of stuff but that's how I would think about, like, I suppose, if anyone's listening, like, how to unlock their brand, their personal brand. Yeah, right. And I love that you you really mash those two things up, right? It's like, what makes you different? What makes you unique? But it also needs to be in service of, like, where you want to go, right? Um, and, and, and you just can't be something that you're not because we yeah, all figure yeah, yeah. it out, right? And and you know what, Jay? Like, I'm by, you know, by all stretch of the imagination i am nowhere near the finished article of who i want to be or where i'd be and i may still make mistakes every day and i in the last six months have started using a speaking coach here in the uk and what's been really interesting is you know we have a vision of how we want to where we want me to get to in terms of how i come across on stage and i did a keynote speech in front of like a few hundred people recently it was quite a big deal for me like to be speaking in front of that many people and when i did the like so I called him up and I did like the, like on zoom, we did like the pre-run and I was so robotic in my delivery that he lost, it lost the essence. Mm. And he was like, he's like, you've nailed the delivery, but you like, which is what we wanted to Like, I wanted to be slick on stage. I wanted to be like, this guy is like, as if I'm just making it up on the spot. That's yeah. Yeah. I wanted it, but, but he's like, but you can't lose like your passion and your anim, like your animation and actually, that like sense of like, this is important. Like that fund, all the stuff we talked about, that canniness, that genuineness, yeah. that like, you don't want to lose that. Right. And so it's a really good example. I think of what you're saying is like, 
it's okay that we're trying to get to you know from from x to y but like within that x is like some good stuff and we don't want to lose all that on the you know yes we want to get rid of the bad habits you know we want to lose the isms like me saying like or kind of or sort of or whatever but actually we want to get to that point without losing that really special stuff that makes the audience actually really like you in the first place is because it's believable it's plausible it's real it's like they can resonate with me like oh he's just like us and he's done this and if you're too polished you kind of lose you lose the <laughs> essence of that and you can lose the audience so so yeah it's a, it's a real life and i suppose just to demonstrate your audience like there's always stuff to be working on personally like you know none of us have worked it all out yet yeah it's all it's all a journey so a couple of uh, quick, fun wrap-up questions. We've been talking all about your brand and the brand of remarketing. What's your favorite brand as a consumer? What What are you obsessed with or what can't you live without? There's a, there's a coffee shop. Uh, there's a coffee brand in, in Edinburgh in the capital of Scotland called Artisan Roast. And yeah. it's been there for a long time. And they do these amazing coffee beans. And like... I'm quite into coffee. And so like you, if you find, if you find like you, it's a bit like wine, right? Like you find a taste profile that works for you. Right. And then you work out actually, you know, dark rose bitter flavors are not for me. Right. And it's almost like this, this company has found this company called artisan roast and they're in, in Scotland. And even when I was living in the U S I was getting this shipped like, Oh, oh I was getting it shipped to the UK and whoever was coming <laughs> in the U S that was bringing it over. And it, Every time the bag arrives and it's beautifully packaged and all that kind of stuff, it's it's honestly just the most fa- fantastic. And the other brand I love is a brand called Tracksmith, which mm. um, it's actually a running brand from Boston. And I remember when we moved to Boston and I went into Tracksmith, it's on Newbury Street in Back Bay, which is like a really posh street. And I remember walking in and it was like 70, 80 bucks for a t-shirt. And I remember I texted my wife being like, Oh my god! Which idiots pay this much money for running stuff? Like you know, I'd be like going to the, I don't know, TK Maxx and buying the top for like five bucks or whatever. And then I ended up. My wife bought me a T-shirt from there, like a running top, and it. And at the time, I was running like I'd run a couple of marathons, and it it just like felt like it was enhancing my performance, and and it was like the garment for me. And despite how ridiculously overpriced it is. I think eighty percent of my running outfit is is Tracksmith <laughs> now. Like I, I've I've become an absolute brand advocate for for that beer. So you know, fundamentally, it's probably I'm guessing the same for you, Jay. Like the brands that make you, that connect with you and make you feel that they exist for you and just ultimately add value to your life. It doesn't matter how much they are. It, it the the cost becomes pointless. You know, yeah. and actually be like how they make you feel is what, what it's all about. Yeah. Now, Ramon, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? It's really difficult at this without sounding really pretentious, right? Like, cause, uh, <laughs> or, or, or really, cr- or really crap, right? So, <laughs> so I, I tell you what, when I was, when I was living in the US, the brand I would have said is a mini, like, so I actually, my car outside in my drive is a mini Cooper JCW, right? So it is a, like British car that has gone global and has a differentiation, like inherent differentiation. And it feels a bit different and it is a bit different, but actually underneath it, 
it's a BMW, right? It's reliable. It's high tech. It doesn't. It's not going to break down, etc. But it kind of, so it has that like fundamental performance. And if I reflect on myself, like I, I do really care about my craft. Like whether yeah. it's writing or it's podcasting or it's being a leader, like I really give a crap about that because I never want to be. I'm always battling with the imposter syndrome. Like I think all of us are. And so in order, I kind of over, overcompensate by like making sure I know what the latest tech is, making sure I know what the latest tools are, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, particularly when I lived in the US, having my Britishness was my brand differentiator, you know, living in Boston and doing a lot of business on the East Coast and in the Midwest, like there aren't, there are a huge lot of British people in the US, but you know, in the sector that we work in and live in the US, there wasn't as many. So it became a bit of a superpower that like, and again, like, you know, if I go back to that B canny, that likability factor, a bit like a mini, I know one says, yeah. oh, uh, well, the odd person does, but like on the whole, people don't hate minis. They're like, oh, they're cool. Like they might not be for me, but they're cool. Like they're different. Yeah. And I think that, that for me would be, that's probably the right level of, you know, it's not, you know, God, I'm sure you get some people come on and be like, hey, I'm a Tesla. And you're like, I want to be sick, right? Like I'm not the Tesla guy. I'm the exact opposite i'd love to be the aston martin guy or the bentley guy like the high-end Rolls Royce guy, but i'm i'm, I'm not sorry to sorry, sorry to ruin your listeners day. I'm, I'm not that guy <laughs> and finally ramon what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners so i think there's a couple of things that come to mind like firstly don't burn bridges i think is one that served me pretty well like even when you end relationships with people, you don't have to fall out with people and you never know where people go in life and where opportunities yeah. come from. Um, I think the theme of, of what, a lot of what we talked about today, Jay, is just bettering yourself. You know, that's the entire sec, you know, second half of my book, like constantly improve yourself. Like don't forget about yourself, like be investing in yourself. Like, you are the best investment you will ever make, like in in yourself. Um, and one for suppose younger people, like I look at people who come into my organization, and the ones that really get my attention immediately are the ones that use use their own initiative, that aren't there to take orders, and you can you can spot it a mile off within the first meeting of meeting someone, or a couple of meetings, or a couple of calls. You can often see the person that is going to go further because they aren't going to just say, like, take the works coming in. They're like, they're going to use their own initiative and go make it happen or go and do something out or make it even better. Uh, and it's great in our organization because I have, I can see a handful of these people coming through the lower ranks. I mean, I'm like, oh my God, like if we nurture you, you are going to be an absolute superstar. And some people can't see it in themselves yeah. when they're coming in. And actually like, I mean, people saw it in me and I never saw it in myself. Like, you know, like I have an ex-boss, like I knew you were going to do really well in what I ended up doing. I was like, I literally don't know what you're talking about. I never, <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, you're crazy. That's why. Um, but it's almost like I kind of see what they see now in, in, in other people. And it's really wonderful to, to watch it go. So don't burn bridges, better yourself, use your initiative would be my three bits of advice. Not one, sorry. Ah, but great advice. Um, Ramon Segal, thank you so much for being on the show. The book is The Floundering Founder. Where can we get the book? 
Yeah, sure. So you can get it on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble and all kind of good book places. And if you go to my website, romancegal.com, you can actually download, I think it's the first 50 pages for free. So if you want to kind of get a feel for it and see what it's about and if it's for you and you kind of try before you buy, like there's a no risk. And even that, it's only like 15 bucks. Like, guys, go buy the book. Stop being cheap, right? So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ramon, it was great uh, connecting with you. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks so much for having me on. Honestly, I've really enjoyed it. I love your energy. I love the kind of curiosity and clearly listen because of the nature of your questions. And uh, congratulations on all your success and everything you do Uh, as well. Thank you. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. What an amazing conversation with Ramon Segal, the founder and global president of Remarketing. You know, Ramon had so many great things to talk about, but what really stuck out to me was his notion of knowing who his business and him as a founder, who his audience really was. He was working for a whole bunch of folks, but when he really narrowed it down and realized that his core audience at his agency was in the pharma and biotech sector, that was what was enabling him to super grow his business, just like your own brand. So I want to make sure that you are thinking about who your career audience is and make sure that you are going to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year to download our worksheet that will help you on step one, defining your audience in the lead with your brand system. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll give you a brand new show every single Tuesday. Now, make sure that you go to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year so that you can take the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge because every single Tuesday of this month, we will be giving you worksheets, tips, and tricks to help you lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And most importantly, remember in your career, career, never be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.